She bought cardio salsa tapes for Michelle, <laughs> which like <laughs> the image that brings to mind is so good. Like, is is that a gag gift or is it, you know, does she mean it? Does she know that he actually does this? I don't know. Hey there. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's I've had a I've had a funny, a funny day or two or three, but I'm OK. I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, it's always refreshing. So the last episode that we recorded was our Twilight episode. And now we're mm-hmm. back to the Gilmore Girls. And it's always kind of refreshing to go back to an episode of a show rather than a long, long movie to have to wrap your head around. And so I'm excited to do this. And I'm excited that we're back. Yes, I was thrilled to finally get back to it because of where we left off last time. Mm-hmm. That must have been hard episode. for you. Oh my God. It was, I mean, if you were tuned in last time, um, we left on Rory and Lorelai having a big old fallout and Emily. Everybody was yelling. Everyone was shouting. We ended unresolved. Rory stayed out all night with Dean. They fell asleep and there's all this like assumptions and jumping to conclusions and everyone's angry and I hate it. (laughs) So I need it to be resolved ASAP. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, so we are the Belladonna Watch Club. Come get cozy with us while we dig into iconic shows and movies that one of us has never seen before. So the rules are that somebody needs to be coming to the show with fresh eyes. So I'm Lisa, and I have seen the Gilmore Girls. And I'm Jenny, and I'm the Fresh Eyes. So this episode is Season 1, Episode 10, Forgiveness and Stuff. It's our first Christmas episode of Gilmore Girls. So yeah. extremely cozy, twinkly lights everywhere, very, very festive in Stars Hollow, uh, which is why I brought out my Christmas tree again. It is February and I was yeah. like, no. But if someone's coming to watch this in December because it's a Christmas episode of the show, like I felt obligated to to be a little bit festive and I'm wearing my oh, of course. festive reindeer earrings that are very hard to tell but i couldn't go overboard valentine's day is tomorrow i couldn't yeah <laughs> couldn't go too far down this road again um but for anybody joining us in december you're welcome um, merry christmas <laughs> merry christmas <laughs> and so this episode uh as as jenny as you were saying we left off on a, a very tense note uh so people are are still fighting you can tell from the very beginning of the episode that rory and lorelei are still arguing emily and Lorelai are still arguing. Poor Lorelai is just getting it from all sides. Although to be fair, she's the one who's angry with Rory. So she's getting it. She's giving it. And then she gets uninvited to Christmas dinner because of all of the all of the tension and 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 discomfort. And then she spends some time with Luke in this episode at the diner. But then the big thing in this episode is that Richard suffers a medical emergency at the Christmas party. And so then they end up at the hospital. The later half of the episode sort of is, is centered around what's going on with, with Richard and everybody else because mm-hmm. of what happened. So what did you think? I, uh, I really appreciated this episode for a number of things. Um, I don't think it's one that I could watch very often. (laughs) There were some things that really, really got at me and, but I admire it for how it, it went to the places of difficult emotions and not saying things. I really, really loved the performances of everybody in this, Mm -hmm. everyone. They were really all just on it. Um, 
and I cried. It made me I'm cry. Sure you did. I am certain mm-hmm. it did. I was watching it, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh boy, this is going to be hard for Jenny to watch." Mm-hmm. It yeah. was not the uh, you know happy resolution episode that I was hoping for, but um, but I'm still really glad it exists, and I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, so let's get into it. <laughs> so we start out at Miss Patty's, and they're preparing for the like Christmas pageant. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And the first thing is that Rory pulls out this like baby Jesus doll that's missing an arm. <laughs> so she's talking to Taylor and she's like, baby Jesus's arm is missing. The first thing gets under my skin is Taylor's like, let me see that. And like looks at it as though she is somehow mistaken that the arm is gone. <laughs> like, Taylor, what did you expect to find there? Like, come on, man. Rory's in the corner trying to figure out where baby Jesus's arm is. And Taylor's like, look again. And then Lorelai is doing the costume fittings for Kirk. Our dear friend Kirk has made a reappearance. (laughs) And he's so nervous because Lorelai stuck him with a pin once. And he's just like so flinchy and squeamish. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Are you happy to have Kirk back? (laughs) Yeah. Well, he's such, he's, I don't know what to make of him yet. He has shown up in the least expected places. (laughs) Just, like I, sh- I should never be surprised from now on to just like for him to just show up somewhere. Okay, all right. It's really clear in this scene that Lorelai and Rory have not made up yet. Mm-hmm. They're it's tense. they're exchanging glances, but that's about it. I like the things that are going on in the background. So amidst the like the mother daughter tension thing and the unspoken whatever, there's still like silly things happening in the background and conversations and other people's to the minute drama. The details of the background actors are so good. Um, the after Mary, as in the, Mar- <laughs> the non-pregnant Mary, she's blowing on her nails, just done her nails or something, which, <laughs> what a great little detail. And the sort of side conversation happening in the scene, the, the humorous part, is apparently that before Mary is pregnant and oh my God, shock horror, I, we think she's going into labor right now she's about to have a baby and yes. they discuss like oh my gosh we, we surely someone else in this town is knocked up who who else in town is knocked up who else can we find and like for for that to be the side conversation going on while Lorelai and Rory have just had this whole thing of like you know 16 and you stayed out all night with a boy and like what situation did you get yourself into and blah 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 you're going on the pill and now we're talking about Mary and getting knocked up and like oh my god <laughs> Yeah. Just chaos. I love it. Chaos. The line <laughs> that Miss Patty says is the before Mary is about to come become the after Mary. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's it. Mm. I love it so much. <laughs> and with the baby Jesus, there's the whole thing about how <laughs> Rory's like, can't we just get a new doll? Like, what is this? So it sounds like this isn't the first time baby Jesus's arm has gone missing. Because I think she <laughs> says baby Jesus is missing his arm again or something right. along those lines. And then Taylor, it's like, this is the same baby Jesus that we've had since 1965. And Steve was like, ah, yeah, you're proving her point. Get a new baby Jesus. Like, it's time. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, it's like, it's a girl. Like, it has a bow. Like, it's not a baby Jesus. It's just some (laughs) creepy doll. Um, But yeah, I like your point about how I hadn't actually pieced that together, how the, the source of the tension is possibly, you know, pregnancy and, and right and, well because they yeah. yeah right after the line right after miss patty says who else in town is knocked up we get like an out of context but like 
we get a shot of Rory. I was looking all concerned. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's not think about this. Move along. Let's move along. Oh my gosh, that's too funny. <laughs> and then they do a scene on the outside. So well, they're all leaving. And then uh, Lorelai and Rory are walking and they're like, it's a very terse conversation. Like, because Lorelai overheard all of this. And so she was like, did you find the arm? Nope. Lorelai's trying to kind of have a semblance of normalcy. She's still upset, but she wants to like still connect with Rory. And mm-hmm. Rory's like, not without an apology. Like, mm-hmm. and Lorelai's still upset enough about the whole situation that she's not willing to to do that yet, I don't think. But then they're walking, and then you see just this like collie, this border collie who just has the arm. How did nobody notice <laughs> a dog coming in and taking the baby's arm? And then he's you just called? standing in the square. <laughs> yeah, you're looking for me. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, found it. <laughs> so it's the following day, and Lane was supposed to meet with Rory uh, at Luke's, and she missed it. So they're meeting up in the gazebo. They've confirmed our suspicions. Lorelai and Rory have not made up yet. You know, they say it's been four days. So that gives us a little bit of context now for how long it's been since the big blowout. And she hasn't spoken to Dean. She hasn't spoken really to Lorelai. I really like when Rory says, well, I told Dean not to call. That's why we haven't spoken in four days. And Lane asks, like, well, did he listen? And Rory says, no, he didn't listen. Lane goes, good boy. <laughs> Good boy. Yes. But then at that point, Rory's like, I don't want to talk about it. Like, this is, it's stressful. And she's just, she's like, no, I'm done. So they start talking about Rory showed up with some gift bags. And so she says that she bought Dean Metamorphosis, a book, um, a Czechoslovakian book. Do you know about this one? I, well, when she said Metamorphosis, I thought she was talking about the like ancient Greek author Ovid, who has a book called metamorphosis and instead it's kafka i have no no that is way beyond me that is far too intellectual something i don't know kafka's metamorphosis but what one of the other things she buys she goes through a list of like she bought this and this for suki she bought cardio salsa tapes for michelle (laughs) which like (laughs) the image that brings to mind is so good like is is that a gag gift or is it, you know, does she mean it? Does she know that he actually does this? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm sure he um, actually does it. He's got tight little hips. He's got like his, you know, his, mm-hmm. he can do it. I actually liked the cow alarm clock that moves. That's it. Days. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. She'd be over the moon about that. Aha, cow yeah. jumping over the moon. Uh-huh. <laughs> Are you a dad? <laughs> I am. You're a dad. <laughs> So Lane starts to question the the book choice, which like I kind of see where she's coming from because we've all gotten that gift that like, you know, the other person would have loved to receive, but is like not super for you. And so Mm -hmm. the analogy or the the example that Lane (laughs) brings to the table about these gifts, I have a clip here and it is absolutely fantastic. Remember two years ago, I got my mom that perfume? Yeah. Okay. To me, that said, hey, mom, you work hard. You deserve something fancy. Now, to my mother, it said, hey, mom, here's some smelly sex juice, the kind I used to lure boys with, and resulted in me being sent to Bible camp all summer. (gasps) Smelly sex juice. (laughs) (laughs) I can just imagine Mrs. Kim opening this gift. Like, what is this? You give me smelly sex juice? Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like her... 
terse accent and they'd be like mama no merry christmas like mama no you're going to bible camp like <laughs> i i i think lane is trying to she's trying and not being totally successful with giving <laughs> trying to send the trying to teach that it's um it's about gifts sending messages it's it's about what a gift says to the other person is what matters not to you and i think this is starting to sort of introduce like maybe one of the themes of this episode being forgiveness and actions and gifts and whatever are not about the person doing it it's about the receiver mm -hmm. and this actually reminded me i'm gonna get real deep here for a sec <laughs> it reminded me of a line from an early episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a really, really important one that Giles, her watcher, says he's sort of like the father authority figure type thing for her. And he says, forgiveness is an act of compassion. It's not done because someone deserves it, but because they need it in order to learn and to move on and to grow and, to, and all that kind of thing, which just... I mean, in such a silly little scene, and this is obviously, Lane doesn't say that line, but to introduce the concept of forgiveness and and how you go about forgiving or, or you know, beginning the, the path of forgiveness and moving on and moving forward and reparations and things is just, it's such a heavy topic. It's one that I think gets explored in different kinds of ways in, in TV and in film and stuff. Um, but I really like seeing it here. And I mean, it's summed up in the title, isn't it? Forgiveness and stuff. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. In her analogies, she's like, okay, well, it's as though Dean would give you a football. Dean would love a football himself, but you giving him metamorphosis is giving him a Czechoslovakian football. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was amazing to tie it all in together. I thought that was fantastic, mm -hmm. but it's totally true. It was like, oh, so and so would love this because, like, you love it, but is it really something that they want? And, and yeah, like you said, like, you're even like the style of forgiveness. Like, some people don't need to necessarily hear the words when other people do need to hear the words. And some people understand that, like, actions are, are their version of forgiveness. Like, you know, the olive branch of like bringing you a coffee or whatever, you know? Um, and yeah, everybody has their own styles, like the love languages thing, right? Where it's mm -hmm. like your love language, the way you want to receive it isn't necessarily the way that the other person does. So from there, we quickly cut to the independence. And, and this is another scene where something pretty tense is happening with like an absolutely ridiculous like side moment like and breaking the tension of the actual episode so we get to the independence and they're getting ready for christmas they're putting up the christmas tree and michelle is supervising this like maintenance man putting up the tree and he just wants like a slight adjustment on this fairy ornament he's like she has a wand and then the man goes to like adjust what he's like what is wrong with you that's little bo peep like he's giving absolutely he's not budging he's not moving a muscle and he's there just like nope i'm i'm the supervisor i don't do this this is not my job this is not like this isn't my responsibility whatsoever but you're doing it wrong <laughs> and i'm not gonna help you <laughs> and he's just like what's wrong with you that's not a fairy that's little bo peep are you like are you an idiot <laughs> there's so, so many like weird little scenes in this episode that are just mm -hmm. have 
seemingly have nothing to do with the whole story, but they must. And I've just been trying, I try so hard to figure out like, what does that mean? What is it for? What's the connection there to the rest of the story? And I'm not sure if there are connections. <laughs> I don't quite know. So Maybe I certainly feel that way about there. one scene and we'll get there. <laughs> But this one, yeah. I feel like it's important because they're setting up for Christmas. So I feel like yes, yeah, fair, yeah. <laughs> and so Lorelai gets a call from her mom, which she was surprised about because they are arguing. And so Emmeline's calling Lorelai to give her the information about dinner on Friday night. It's the Christmas party, so things are a little bit different. And I've got a small clip of the call here because it is infuriating, mm -hmm. absolutely infuriating. Here we go. Cocktails are at 6 o'clock, dinner is at 8. I probably won't be there for cocktails. Why not? Because I have to work. You can't leave work early? No, I can't. Why not? Because it's not in my job description. Well, then don't come. What? Don't come. This is obviously an enormous burden for you. Uh, that is just like the most like narcissistic, passive-aggressive, mm -hmm. like... Oh, no, I will be there. I just can't be there at the exact time that you want me to. And suddenly it's like, oh, I'm such a burden and nothing like everything revolves around you, doesn't it? It's like, it's my job. You don't work like, like I can't just leave. I wonder, I don't know if that's Emily as always is or if that's Emily at a particularly sore spot, like Emily in a particular fury, or if she's always like this. And I don't know what the word is for like that kind of behavior. You said narcissistic and totally. It's like she was, was she looking for a reason for, I think she was. To, to uninvite her? Yeah. 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 I, yeah, think, I think she so. was. I think she was just going to jump at the first hesitation and mm -hmm. then she could put it on Lorelai and be like, oh, well, she said she had to work. So. Too bad she's not coming. Oh, that's her thing. Mm -hmm. That's her choice. She's it's it's petulant and it's vindictive. Mm. It just gets under my skin because it's like it's not it's not a reasonable response at all. And like you said, like she was totally just waiting for an opportunity to uninvite her. But the whole call, it like it's hurtful, intentionally hurtful. And I think that is how she is when she's upset. Like I think it doesn't take very much to make her upset. Right. Like, because she's very regimented and everything is black and white with her. And I don't think it takes all that much to get her to that level of, of passive aggressive narcissism. It's, it's narcissism because it's like, mm -hmm. oh, everything that I do is wrong and everything that, you know. One of Emily's big things that we've seen so, so many times in the past is her sort of Loctite emphasis on control. And uninviting Lorelai is still a form of her controlling. A part of their their argument, um, the last episode was Emily says, you know, I'm I'm controlling. Well, clearly I couldn't control you going off and you know getting pregnant and you're know, running away and stuff. Absolutely, she's controlling, mm -hmm. and absolutely she exists to control, and everything must be done in in her way. She must exercise like minute control over everything. And yeah, and this uninviting is yet another form of controlling. She needs that she mm -hmm. wants the Christmas party to go exactly the way she wants it to be. So and we'll see when we get to the Christmas party how again she is trying to stay fully in control of everything that happens and the tone and the atmosphere and ugh, it's hard to watch. Yeah. And then she goes ahead and says, Murray can still come. 
Rory's still invited. You're not. Like, we'll see Rory there. And Lorelai goes into this little tirade about how, you know, in the fifth grade, she had the measles and her polka dots matched her dress. And she still had to come to Christmas dinner. Like, she was ill and had to come to Christmas dinner anyway. And she's like, this has never happened before. I don't understand. But Rory's still invited. And you can tell that Lorelai's actually pretty hurt by by that. And almost any other Friday night dinner, I can imagine Lorelai being like, score, I'm out. Like, Mm-hmm. Or we have fun. But this is Christmas and has like a whole other like gravity to the uninviting. Totally. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a lot more meaningful and impactful being uninvited to Christmas. So she's actually a little bit upset about that. So she goes home and it's Friday night and Rory is getting ready to go. And she's like, mom, you're actually not coming. Like, what is that? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and she is trying to convince Lorelai to like push a little bit. Like, no, mom, like, I'm sure she'll want you there. Like, if you're not there, she didn't mean it, you know, like, she's just trying to convince Lorelai to come. And she says something along the lines of, like, you just want to hold a grudge. And I love this so much. (laughs) You just want to hold a grudge. Yes. Burns more calories. That's not true. Yes, it is. How do you think your grandma got those legs of hers? (laughs) (laughs) Twig legs. Yeah, right. And she's like, it's not like, you know, they have like Taibo at the country club. <laughs> like grandma doesn't <laughs> like she's not a stairmaster kind of gal. Like she just keeps going and Rory's like, relax. She says to her, she's like, you know what? I think you're acting a little immature. She just calls her out on it. And mm-hmm. Lorelai says, Who's acting? <laughs> <Self-awareness>. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the self-awareness. Yeah. I I like in this scene that like there's still a spiky with each other but they're clearly doing a much better job of like moving along and existing with one another than Lorelai and Emily are obviously they're at least conversing and their their wit and their sarcasm is still intact and bless Rory for Rory is such a star in this episode she's so generous with her emotions and generous with her empathy as well gosh she just she really really goes the distance of trying to make things smooth and just smooth things out but have things carry on and what maturity there she's yeah incredible. she's so mature in this episode and because she's also the one that knows exactly what happened right she's like everybody's making a really big deal out of nothing happening like yeah. it was a mistake and she knows it was a mistake and she acknowledged that it was an accident and must have been scary like she knows that but she's like everybody's acting really upset about literally nothing happening mm-hmm. so yeah, she, she's definitely trying, or is in this case, the middleman, or she's stuck in the middle of, of a lot of it because it was her blunder <laughs> that caused all of the drama and all of that. She could easily be more upset than she is. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, especially given how, how upset she was at the end of last episode. Um, yeah. How, I mean... She has just heard her mom speaking her praises and saying how much she trusts her and she's mature and she doesn't make those mistakes. And then for her mom to just do a complete turnaround on her, it's just... Mm-hmm. She rounded on her. It was like, it was like a total curveball. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the colors in this scene? Yes, I wrote down, oh, Rory's dress and their Rory's house dress. decorated. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm mm-hmm. going to bring up a picture here again of Rory. It's just this like burgundy rusty floral velvet dress that is just 
stunning. It's not like a typical, what I would consider a typical Christmas dress because of the floral print, Mm -hmm. but it is gorgeous. It's like amber, like, oh. Mm -hmm. I love that in all of her shots in this, she's all warm, it's red, it's like warm light going on in the kitchen. And then every shot that we have of of Lorelai, she's all in in cool tones. So again, beautiful. We've got the beautiful purple lamp, and there's like a purple cushion <laughs> or a blanket lamp. or something in front of her. And but she's wearing blue and green. Blue is obviously one of her main colors. But everything of her, like she's kind of she's got the the it's like a it's a cold light coming from that lamp, and she's got the reflection yep. of the TV screen again, a cold light back on her. Um, and so this time should be like Christmas time, warm and cozy and oranges and reds and warm colors, which is Rory right now. But Lorelai is very much just in her cool tones and cold lighting and harsh and mm-hmm. winter, I suppose. But, you know, not at all the like warm Christmas vibes that we're used That's to. That's it. Rory's is like, I'm going out, I'm getting ready. It's fresh. It's mm-hmm. it's energetic kind of warm colors. Mm-hmm. And Lorelai's is like, I'm cozy. I'm in the dark. I'm like that, like cranky. You go without me, the apple tarts. Bleh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So ultimately, Rory goes without her at one point. She says something to, to Lorelai, and Lorelai's like, I'm sorry, I can't hear you because you're halfway to Hartford right now. Like, <laughs> get out of the house. Just go. Get out of my sight. Just go. And this. Yeah. And so she gets to Emily's and I was expecting a much larger Function. gathering. Do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I agree. <laughs> they made it sound like, it's oh, like- it's our big Christmas dinner. There's cocktails and this and that. And there's like two guests, three, three guests. So it's Have just they such had a fallings out with other people? <laughs> I don't know if they. I mean, probably. I think Emily has fallings out with everybody that she talks to. Yeah. It's impossible. <laughs> the first thing I noticed at this party was Emily's sweater jacket moment the like Mm -hmm. red with the black fur and the black cuffs on the sleeve because i have Mm. oh my god vintage chris it's from the 60s it's gonna look terrible on top of the sweater but i want it to wear the sweater so whatever i was like i have like basically that (laughs) oh my god red and black it has like kind of shorter sleeves because that was the style in the 60s because you'd like wear the gloves with it mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i've only ever worn it once and it was on christmas day going to my parents house this year i'm gonna do up some buttons i wish there was just like one more button just to, to bring right. it in a bit closer around the neck because it's very open yeah. here and I guess maybe there's room for a scarf. I don't know. Oh, we can manage that. We can fiddle something with that. Do like a hidden snap or something. (gasps) Ooh. (laughs) Exquisite. That is gorgeous. I I love that. Thank you. (laughs) I got it for free. Ooh, (laughs) even even better. Even better. I'm going to talk about Emily's Christmas party and then I'm going to take it off. But I'm going to leave it on for now. (laughs) We get... Actually, a very tense start to this party. Richard is getting into it with this man. They work together. Mm -hmm. So Richard is really upset about this. This Henry. Henry is a toddler and no gentleman would edit another man's work without consulting, without so much as a phone call. Like he's so upset and he's raising his voice and he's getting very agitated at this point. Um, How did you feel about that? Because that is out of character. Well, 
I just, just what stood out to me was that yet again, yet again, this is the second time at a party that he's just talking shop. He's just talking about business, just talking about work. And you think, God, it's Christmas for goodness sake. Like, can you not talk? Do you not talk about holidays that you go on to or like vacations or traveling or what? Like, really, this man, for all the things we love about him, really, he is just so work minded. And that's Mm -hmm. it. That's yep. it. Like, I, I don't know. I just figured and he might have. Laura later in the episode because she's telling Luke that my dad, he worked, he came home, he read the paper, and that was it. That's like, it. he, and that his life yeah. is work and the club. Yeah. And, and yeah, I definitely, it, it, I've never seen, we have yet to see him get this agitated about anything, mm-hmm. anything. And regarding parties and, and the last time we saw a party, Emily is always so insistent on like behavior at a party and manners. And, you know, when we have company, this is how you behave. This is what you talk about. Like she, can she, does she not, she tells him, <laughs> I think she tells him that all of this talk is, it's, you know, inappropriate for, um, for our party or for our dinner guests. And later mm-hmm. on at the it dinner table as, the as well. And then, yeah, and even later, she that he he brings up wildly inappropriate dinner conversation, and it's just it's one of those things that grinds me. That just for all the like the breeding and the wealth and the like formality that they go through, how do they still behave like this? How do they still you know have a Christmas party and talk about work or talk about talk about how to talk rudely about coworkers and businessmen and things like wow. Wow, are you really that rude? Are you really that? Do you not see how inappropriate and immature that is as well? Yeah. Yeah. So Emily does try to say, Richard, you know, stop the shop talk. But I think that he, you know, believes that he's above Emily's rules because he pays for all of Emily's everything. So Emily's Mm -hmm. rules only apply to him when he feels like they're necessary. And in this Mm -hmm. case, he was very upset and he wants to get the man on the phone. And I don't care if it's midnight in London, all the better. Like he's so all the better. He's so bothered by the situation with Henry the toddler. Meanwhile, Rory is trying to apologize to Emily. And Emily is just cutting her off, shutting her down, changing the subject, just like she did when she was trying to apologize to her about her party. And that, again, is infuriating. Your 16-year-old granddaughter is being more emotionally mature than you are. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to apologize to you. And she's trying to like mend fences between everybody. And she's just like ignoring her completely. And, well, and she says... Cutting she, her off. Yeah. Well, she, she, she turns her down by saying... Um, this is not the time or place to discuss this. Mm-hmm. Where I think another theme of the episode is that there is no best time to no. discuss something or to apologize or say how you feel. Whenever you feel it, as soon as you can, as soon as convenient, I suppose, get it out. Say what you yeah. say what you feel. And I think Rory is absolutely right in here that mm-hmm. You know, if, if we're about to spend the whole evening together, I want to clear the air with this. I, you know, you, I, you need to know how my mom feels. You need to know how I feel, blah, blah, blah. And she just will not let it happen. And it's. And that's Emily with appearances because she's like, I don't want there to seem like there's tension in front of my guests. Mm-hmm. That's what's important to her rather than the comfort, not comfort, but then the like actual feelings rather mm-hmm. than the appearance of feelings of your family. I think the flip side of your your theme, it's sort of like the, the equal and opposite is avoidance. Mm-hmm. 
because it's that she's avoiding this conversation. She avoids a conversation with Richard at the hospital. Lorelai avoids the hospital situations. Like, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of avoidance in this episode in general. Yeah. Yeah. And then two of their guests, or one of the guests, sorry, asks where Lorelai is. And Emily says, oh, she couldn't come. She didn't, ha- she had to work. And Richard's like, oh, like he's surprised. He didn't know that Lorelai wasn't invited anymore. He had no idea <laughs> that that was happening. He doesn't seem bothered at all by it. But as a parent, I would be extremely bothered to find out that my only child wasn't coming to Christmas dinner. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that he's so wrapped up in like the thing that's going on with work that he probably didn't even like register it. It's just like a blip because he's so hyper fixating on this man changing his his documents <laughs> which okay that would be upsetting if you do a bunch of work and then somebody goes in and changes it and is about to present it as like your work but didn't yeah, of course consult you that would be upsetting yeah. but to not even react to your only job jo- like your only daughter not coming to christmas and like not even that would that kind of bothered me a little bit and it also bothered me yeah that he just didn't know emily didn't tell yeah. him and I think she didn't tell him on purpose so that he couldn't refute it or try to get mm. her to come or try to convince her. She kept it yeah. under wraps until it was too late. And then it just was happening. Well, the party planning is always her business. Every, everything mm-hmm. to do with guests and who's going to be there, what we're serving. It's all Emily's business. This is all her control, mm-hmm. her control. So I guess, you know, Richard's just along for the ride and going to be surprised. Yeah. And so when. Emily says that Lorelai couldn't be there because she had to work. Rory looks really upset. She looks bothered about the lie. She Mm -hmm. is uncomfortable about what's going on right now because she knows it's not true. And then she's like, great, now I'm like part of this lie. What if somebody asks me? And like, what do I do? And Mm -hmm. so the implication there from Emily, like putting Rory in an awkward position is also so immature and so Mm -hmm. unethical. I like that, um, that Emily is clearly not a great liar. Because she gets her lies crossed later mm-hmm. on. Again, we're at the at the, the dinner party, and <laughs> and she says that uh, oh yeah, Lorelai's ill. She sa- she sounds pretty convincing, but mm, no, honey, no, you 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 said she was late. They catch her on it, and she's she's trying to maintain the composure of like oh yes, well, and then she got ill and she had to work late, and uh, yes, yeah, like like girl, <laughs> you live yeah. in a web of lies. This is not <laughs> not happening. Her cover-up story is getting really messy. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Rory looks yeah. even more uncomfortable. Like, the more she's talking, the more Rory's like, dude, stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she hates it. Understandably, it's very uncomfortable. At a dinner, Richard and his colleague are still not letting it go. Richard will not let it go. And then they get into this whole side thing. Like, now he's attacking the men's character. Because he's like, he's probably out with some, like some cheap tramp. And then they make a joke how, you know, it wouldn't be a cheap tramp knowing Henry. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> it would be an expensive one. Um, and that's where Emily is like, this is wildly inappropriate for a dinner conversation, especially in front of your 16-year-old granddaughter. There's a young lady, mm-hmm. at the table, which is fair. But also, I mean, she's not naive. Like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But also, <laughs> not the time or place. Like, it's Christmas dinner let it go. And then Richard starts to get really worked up and agitated. He's warm. He's trying to loosen his tie. And then Emily with the control, like, Richard, don't loosen your tie at the table. Richard is just so bothered. And he tries to go and turn off the thermostat or turn down the thermostat. And that's the last that we see of Richard for the scene or a little while. of dinner. That's the end of the dinner scene. 
Meanwhile, Lorelai's trying to order a pizza. <laughs> and there's this whole like side saga. Okay, I'm taking this off now because the wool is like really itchy on my neck. Oh no. <laughs> so this is by Bix, B-Y-C-K, Bix from Louisville. Kentucky? Yes. Mm. All right. So <laughs> there's this like whole hilarious conversation with Lorelai and the pizza guy about this like woe is me tale about the delivery truck and how his brothers are delivering pizzas on his razor scooter and she's like <laughs> 2000 Remember right razor scooters oh my god oh, oh and so Lorelai's like all right get to the point where's my pizza like when is this gonna happen I mean to Steve's point he, she could have just gone to get the pizza. <laughs> yeah, just order for pickup. Hello, just go ahead and right, all just right. go out. She's walking around because all the Christmas decorations and the tree and you see it. It's, it's just so cozy. It's so nice. I love one of her ornaments. Uh, it's very glaring. It's very much there. And it says no pouting. No pouting. I knew it. <laughs> which, which feels very Christmas. You know, you better not pout. You better not cry. Blah, 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 blah. But also let's see Lorelai last episode and her adorable little pout under the blanket my back hurts yeah that's where my my eyes like lasered in on that exact ornament as well and at first I thought it said no polluting and I was like I thought it said no pooping <laughs> oh yeah. okay like well, you know neither of those are very Christmassy right no, exactly. <laughs> yeah so we figured it out eventually but I'm glad that you noticed it too it must be a favorite Family favorite. It must be. So pizza, not happening. Laura, like all dejected, goes to the kitchen, like opens up a bag of lettuce and just dumps the dressing in. <laughs> Which you know so what? Good. You do you. I'm I'm not just I actually wrote like yes in all caps because I was like, <laughs> like you're by yourself, you're cranky. That's one of the first times we've seen her eat salad. So she's sitting there, she's eating the salad. Which by the way, I adore her shirt, but like bowling and roller rink like yes. retro kind of like 50s 60s vibe for her shirt incredible and she hears some tapping she hears tap 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 on the window and it's dean he knows it's friday night boy knows that rory is not home ah uh, oh yeah oh yeah how foolish of him how <laughs> foolish how i foolish. he's just so desperate so desperate to see her again all routine out the window or at the window. <laughs> nah. Yeah, well, I guess, I suppose, yeah, he's been calling for the last four days. And yeah. calling doesn't work, so he's going to show up. Tapping on Rory's bedroom window. Oops, in comes Lorelai. And his face is like, for a split second, he's excited because the light turns on. He's like, <gasps> yeah. oops. <laughs> yeah, I have been found. Okay, bested. I, I want to put in something in at this juncture about Dean. I feel like I might have been a little bit too hard on him last episode. Um, I think I was having expectations of him as if he was like, as if they were like firmly in a relationship and he was a more experienced young man or, you know, a bit mm. more grown up, blah, 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 blah. Um, but it occurs to me, yeah, like they're still very, very early in their relationship and they're just figuring out how they need to communicate with each other. So a few apologies, a little bit more sympathy extended to Dean from last episode. I love how important Lorelai's approval is for Dean because yes. not a lot of partners, not a lot of teenagers would care if your girlfriend or boyfriend's or partner's parents like you, I feel. Mm. I think often 
there'd be just neutral. Uh, and he's just like, am I public enemy number one with you? He he really cares about where he stands with Lorelai because mm -hmm. he also understands that Lorelai is like the gatekeeper. <laughs> and if mm -hmm. Lorelai is not happy, Rory would be a lot harder to access. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. But he genuinely seems to to want to clear the air. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, he asks, please tell me where I stand. Like, yeah. I need to know this. Please yeah, tell me where I stand so that I can, you know, navigate it and do the the right thing next. And it must have been so on. hard for Dean in those, you know, at this point, it's probably four days, five days, maybe at this point, because it must have been so hard for him not know what's going on, not knowing how much trouble Rory's in, not knowing if Lorelai's like extremely mad or if they're working through it. Like, is Rory grounded? Like, what's yeah. going on? And he had yeah, no and he idea, and it would be. He didn't have. He hasn't yet had the chance to apologize. And remember, he was so adamant that he go back with Rory mm -hmm. and that they face, mm -hmm. you know, they face the monster together and deal with this together. Um, but he hasn't been able to have any kind of a of a word in. I like that he's. I feel like the word like noble almost has like a negative connotation now. Like trying to do the noble thing, it's almost like an eye roll word. But he is trying to be really noble and not in like a like a disingenuous way like he actually wants to do the right thing mm -hmm. and i really like that about him and so lorelei is like listen this is scary for me i had rory when i was 16 and this is that's how old she is now and i'm not comfortable with what's going on right now and she's going to harvard like this isn't going to happen to her she wants to go to harvard and he said she will go to harvard and if she doesn't it will not be because of me and he says it with with conviction and confidence. And he's just like, I will not be the cause of any diversion. He will not be an issue for Rory in terms of like the life plan and the mm -hmm. education and the course that she's on. There, there's a couple of things that I that came to my mind when I was watching this scene. One of them is um, something that I learned at theater school about character motivation. And like the movement through a scene, the movement through a whole storyline. It's important that uh, actors know about this and writers, screenwriters and script writers are aware of this as well. And it's what does the character need in order to resolve the scene or the plot point? And this isn't just the case for this scene specifically, but like every scene basically. And resolution doesn't always have to happen, but it's sort of how you can, how you act and how you move the, the, move the plot forward. In this, it's like, it's just very, very clear to me that both have something that they need from the other. I think Lorelai wants, wants to trust Dean, <laughs> wants to like him, wants yeah. to, you know, feel differently about him. She wants the acknowledgement from him, I think, as well, of like, this and this happened and here's my assuredness. And Dean, just, just he, he needs to get his apology out. But yeah, he needs to know where does he stand. Um, and that to me just, it was very, very clear coming out of the scene for some reason. But also Lorelai's honesty is so important in this mm -hmm. scene that it's so important for him to know and also just for them to have that kind of a conversation. And she is always honest. She's hugely sarcastic and makes up funny stories, but her honesty is just vital for him to get what he needs and 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 for this, for the forgiveness to happen, right? And it also reminded me, like she said a few episodes ago, after the kiss in the market, Dean reminds her of Christopher. Mm -hmm. And like, what an extra like layer of yeah. just like 
shock and, and worry and fear. I wonder how much he reminds her of Christopher at this point. Was Christopher this, you know, noble or, or confident, well, assertive and stuff? I don't know. He wanted to marry her when she got pregnant. I True. feel like he was also yeah. the do the right thing kind of guy. I don't yeah. know how forthcoming he was like with the Gilmores, but the Gilmores wouldn't have been as open to that level of communication and honesty, I don't think, as mm -hmm. Lorelai is with Dean. But I think Christopher was also very much like, we'll do the right thing when the time comes. And actually, I think that from what you were saying, that is what Lorelai needed from Dean is to understand that he values the importance of Rory's goals and trajectory. Like that he doesn't, like she needs to understand from him that he doesn't want to, to be a hindrance to her success or to change the plan. Like it's not like he's like, oh, I'm going to go to community college. So I want Rory to stay here with me. Like he, right. she needs to know that he is a champion for her, and her goals as she is. And him saying that to her, you know, saying that she, he wasn't going to be, the reason she doesn't go to Harvard, I think that that is what softens her a lot. Mm. Because it was after that point that she says, we have a great front door. You can use yes. it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, quit being sneaky. Yeah. it's an. In, I'm inviting you. Use the front door. Be seen by people. And I want you to be clear with me. <laughs> quit yes. sneaking around. These are such good building blocks for a relationship and for a this kind of a relationship as well. And I like that this doesn't just sort of come out of nowhere. It it makes sense that they would be talking this openly and this honest because they always have in every scene that we've seen them together. They are clear like that. And I'm hoping, I don't know, remember, I'm the fresh eyes. I'm hoping that that kind of openness and honesty continues. I don't know. I don't know. They wrap up the scene with Lorelai saying that she did imagine like 20 different ways to rip his head off. <laughs> and then they have this like funny kind of bonding moment over the like the dull hedge clippers and how you wouldn't want it to be too fast. And she's like, well, exactly. And they they have their reconciliation and now they're back to being like chums and mm -hmm. being silly. And and Dean's able to joke about how he was, you know, like on thin ice and he's able to admit that and that, you know, he was in a little bit of trouble and it's okay. Mm -hmm. Now we're okay. Now we're okay so we can joke about it and everyone is fine. At this point, Lorelai's like, screw salad. I can't have just have this bag salad. And I guess she makes the decision to go to Luke's for dinner. So she goes to Luke's. She's by herself. And she just is like out of her groove. She's out of her vibe. And she's explaining to Luke what's happened and why she's not a Friday night dinner. And I have this clip here. Love it. <laughs> Why the hell would anybody celebrate Christmas two weeks early? Did you even hear the part about me being uninvited? To your parents' fake Christmas party? Yes. I did hear that. Do you care? Obviously you do. Yes, I do. And I don't know why. You liked going. I did. Rory's there without you. You and Rory aren't getting along right now. You feel bad at being separated at a time you usually share together. Wow. Did I mention you come here every damn day? <laughs> In a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, well, it's exactly this. Like, obviously, <laughs> like, you, you you can't see that. And so Luke is the kind to like sit and observe. He doesn't engage very much, but he knows everything that's going on with, with this family, with Lorelai and Rory and probably more people that we aren't really aware of because he's like this, you know, the central part of the town and he's right in the middle and everybody goes to Luke's and he has this insight to Lorelai that she doesn't even have 
into herself. And I mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't make a big deal out of it. And he, you know, he he dumbs it down a little bit. In the, like, have I mentioned that you come here every damn day? Like, he doesn't take it and be like, yeah, I know everything about you. And he doesn't do this hero act, you know, like, I'm your savior and I understand you and nobody else, you know. He is just like, what? So you come here every day. Like, you don't surprise yeah. me. You can't surprise me anymore. Um, I, okay, Luke kind of threw me in this scene. For the first time, we're hearing his opinion of Dean. And he's mm. very adamant that Dean is trouble. That boy's trouble. Um, where did that come from? We have Ms. had no- Patty's we've floor. S- <laughs> that came from Miss Patty's dance studio. Okay. I, get, I mean, I guess that's enough. I suppose so. But he's so, I don't know, for someone who, who does, you know, witness people one-on-one and interact with them one-on-one, Dean has been into Luke's before. He's gone and grabbed a coffee and they had that silent good morning exchange of when he exchanged money and then left. Like that was in the Rory's birthday episode. That's all we've seen of them. So for Luke to be so hard and so like convinced that he's trouble, I don't know, it just seems a little bit aggressive, a little bit swayed by like public opinion, I suppose. Because um, so- he was very he was very open to, to Dean at the start. Like when, we, when L- Lorelai was spying on him in the grocery store, Luke was sort of calling her out for it of like, you're you're spying on this poor boy like okay so he kissed rory he's not a bad guy but now he's so sure he's trouble he is and it's just um, so it would have been anybody it had nothing to do with dean as a person it has everything to do with the situation so okay now luke is being protective he's known rory her entire life he's the closest to like a father figure other than her actual father who's like never around it's Mm. luke feeling extremely protective and Dean was harmless before, but now he's like, wait a minute, maybe he's not so harmless. Maybe something could actually happen. And he's, I don't think he's caring at all about what people in the town are saying. I think he himself is just feeling like this is basically my kid or like my niece or my daughter or whatever. Mm. And I, it could have been literally anybody in the world. If that situation had happened, suddenly Luke would be livid. (laughs) <laughs> and nerve yeah. and like upset. And it was extremely yeah. aggressive. And even Lorelai gets defensive. She's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You said that he wasn't a bad kid. And you said yeah. that he wasn't. And so, like, exactly what you just said. And mm. she called him out. So now it's a role reversal from that situation where she's like, uh, 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 uh. And like, she could easily be like, um, excuse me, that is not your kid, back off. But that's the kind of relationship that they all have that Lorelai mm. understands why Luke is is getting all up in arms about it because she also concedes to the fact that it was a bad situation. <laughs> she starts out defensive and then they sort of like meet in the middle where Laura lies like, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like not great. And and that's when they get into talking about the Christmas party and how why Lorelai is there. This is where Lorelai ends up kind of like, she's just in, not in her usual place because she asks to see a menu. And he's like, what are you talking about? You come here every damn day. She tries so to say, I'm in the mood for something different. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> are you really? It's Christmas. Come on. That's it. So she wants something festive. And Luke comes up with this. What did you do? We wanted something festive. 
You made me a Santa burger. It's no big deal. He has a hat and everything. Yeah, I just cut a piece of Wonder Bread, you know, poured on a little ketchup, piped on a little cream cheese. No one has ever made me something quite this disgusting before. I thank you. <laughs> Look at this. Oh, oh God, it's awful. So it's it's this piece of bread with ketchup as a hat and like piped on the cream cheese. I like how he's telling her all the steps that he did, making it sound yeah. so casual. But like that's a lot of work. Why does a lot of have steps. piping bags? He's oh, a diner. No. We've got olives, like pimento stuffed olives for eyes, and I guess tomato nose and yeah. a like sl- extra slice of tomato skin for the mouth, the smiley face. <laughs> I think it might be a red pepper. Okay. Oh yeah, my God. I think it, and then, yeah, just this beard. And it's hideous. It's awful. But, like, also, I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I can go for some olives right now. That'd be fine. It's like, I, I'm not going to make anything festive for you, but I will go above and beyond and make something festive for you, right? <laughs> it's awful. But it's because he loves her. He mm-hmm. loves her so much. Mm-hmm. Right at the end of the scene, her phone starts ringing. So her phone starts ringing. And he looks at her and he's like, excuse me, no cell phones. What do you think? The sign is just a decoration. And immediately she's like, honey, nothing in here is a decoration. (laughs) 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 So hard. Oh, God. (laughs) She's so good. She's like, oh, that rule is stupid. Hey, everybody, who says that I can't have cell phone in here? Who doesn't? Who agrees that we shouldn't have cell phones? Everybody raises their hand. (laughs) She's like, screw democracy. Screw democracy. And she goes to answer the phone, but she missed it. So she's waiting for the voicemail to come in. As she's waiting for the voicemail to come in, Taylor and all of the like people working on the pageant, or no, the carolers. And they're so they're trying to get some hot chocolate. So they're having like this whole side conversation while Lorelai is listening to the voicemail. And you just know from the setup of this that it's going to be something bad. Because mm-hmm. they're trying to do the like comedic relief of the side conversation with Taylor while Lorelai's listening to this voicemail. She finds out that Richard after having left the table at the party to turn down the thermostat, has had some sort of medical emergency and is in the hospital. We have no information other than grandpa's in the hospital, please come. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the whole voicemail. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love how Luke goes from this like ridiculous exchange with the carolers who are coming in, like, well, if we sing for you and you give us hot chocolate, he's like, free hot chocolate. So you want free hot chocolate. You know, just it's it just seems like one of those on the daily, on the regular, between him and Taylor, having some kind of a disagreement, whatever, whatever. But as soon as he senses any kind of, oh, there's something up with Lorelai, he's just out of that conversation and it's straight to Lorelai. Because clearly that is what needs his attention. And he is immediately in emergency mode. Yeah. And I didn't hear this line the first time through, but I heard it the second time. He goes, Taylor, have your hot chocolate, then lock up totally impossible in a, in any other kind of a diner or establishment but i guess small town place exactly. you could just get everyone to clear out and like it's an emergency get out get out get out but like i i love love how well luke can focus on what's most important it's not about the hot chocolate it's not about the diners it's not about the this it's just go oh, the foods on me like yeah this is crisis this is a crisis get out and go like to be able to do that, I wish I could do that kind of heroic act of like, right? Stop all the presses, move along. We have crisis. Like, I wish, <laughs> I wish I could yeah, do that. He's and full hero mode. Yeah, and I love Lorelai. What's what's Lorelai's actress's name? Uh, Lauren Graham. 
Lauren Graham. Okay, I love her performance in this part of the scene. She turns into a little girl, a, a, a frightened little girl. Um, she's barely got her coat on, like Luke's about to drive her to the hospital. And she can barely get out. Luke, I'm... I don't know. I'm I'm scared. I'm afraid. I'm worried. I'm she yeah. can't even get the words out. And the look on her face is yeah. it's it's a little frightened girl. And yeah. and 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 Luke doesn't even need her to continue. He just says, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. She's trying to talk to him when he's saying that he's gonna, you know, shut down the diner. And she's like, but there's people and there's food and there's a burger with a face. <laughs> she's just like, but <laughs> words and things and like but brain. And he's just like, it's fine. Like, shut it. It's okay. You have a thing that like focus on you. The rest is doesn't matter. Nope. It's such a thing. Uh, like this continues into the next scene as well, but um, it doesn't matter how old you are, as soon as there is something up, something involving your parent, you become a child again. Doesn't matter how old you are, how grown up you are, what your like closeness is. Um, and and we, we learn about her relationship with, with Richard in the next scene. But wow, this is where, this is obviously where the episode just totally shifts gears and totally shifts tone and um, is just brilliant all the way through, I think. Mm -hmm. Lorelai's in the truck and and she's freaking out and Luke is driving very slow because it's winter and there's ice and Luke is just trying to be steady and she's like you know getting after him about how there's like grandma is passing him and he's like there's black ice those people aren't being safe like he's just being level and he's got safety in mind and he's like I'm driving as fast as I can, but he's not like snapping at her about it because she's like ripping his head off about his driving speed. And she apologizes to him because she's like, I'm, I'm yelling at you and you're helping me. And, and she recognizes that she's being unreasonable because she's, he's like, I don't care. <laughs> he's like, I yeah, know you've I got a lot happening right now. Yeah. She says, I'm yelling at you and I don't mean it. He says, I know. Yeah. Yeah. You don't even have to explain. I get it. Yeah. And so she starts to talk about how, you know, she thinks that, or she's in imagining in this situation, she'd be thinking about the time she went to pick out a Barbie with her dad and they went fishing and all of these other things. And she's like, we never did that. That's not who my dad was. And he's a by the numbers guy. And I was never really good at numbers. <laughs> she describes a very hands-off dad type of experience. Yeah. And, but she's adamant, like he's not a bad guy. No, exactly. And he he worked hard and he did what he thought was right. And yeah, he's a by the numbers kind of kind of guy. And wow, that hit home for me because that's my dad. You know, I'm not gonna not gonna go into a therapy session here, but but yeah, my dad was not a very like hands-on involved with us. But he wasn't a horrible guy. He just did what he thought was right. He did what he thought he had to do to make the best for us. And um when she when she expresses this fear, like, gosh, what a disappointment I must have been, or I must have turned out to be. A disappointment I must have been for him that I didn't turn out the way he wanted me to. That's the kind of thing that plays on your mind of, like, did my parents have, may, I mean, maybe it's clear they did have, you know, other dreams for for me as a daughter or for, you know, what, yeah. I must have been such a letdown. And Luke just being, mm. being the dad we all need, <laughs> saying, like no one could ever be disappointed in you. You couldn't disappoint anybody. Um, yeah, Luke is such. He said, a "Dad." Ugh. 
the the line is I can't imagine anyone being disappointed by you. There you are. And to me, that's not a dad, that's a partner. Okay. Because of the way that the the way that he says it, it it feels very romantic to me in that moment. Oh yeah. Than, oh definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but yeah, so Lorelai is feeling all of this guilt about her parents having had expectations of what their their daughter would be. And then, yeah, them getting Lorelai, who's not interested in their lifestyle, when she's saying that, like, my dad just only ever lived for his lifestyle. <laughs> and then, you know, he must have wanted a daughter to, like, continue those traditions. And then he got me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so she's feeling a lot of guilt over her childhood, over her relationship with her parents, uh, the entire way there, basically. And Luke is just being so swell, and he's just listening and trying to be supportive, and he's just letting her feel all of her big feelings, whether it's targeted towards him or not. It's uh, it's really sweet. I like that he also mentions or gives her uh, some more support in "You're a great mom." You know, mm. if, if 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 you had any kind of doubt there, I can assure you, you're a great mom. And she says, "It's it's the daughter part I don't have down yet." Mm-hmm. And wow, d- yeah, d- she she didn't really have opportunity to be a daughter if, if she was a mom at sixteen, and then like a single mom at sixteen. And yeah, you don't really you don't really get to. There's such a, a such a a weird thing that happens. In growing up, obviously, um, you, you don't really recognize when the shift happens going from being someone's child. You never stop being someone's offspring. You never so- stop being somebody's daughter. You might not notice that, but the parent does. You are always the daughter, the son to the parent, no matter how old you are. And like, uh, ugh, these are all things that really are, have been resonating with me in recent years. And just this episode was so mature. And so um, brave, I think, for tackling something like that in such a cozy way. Yeah. Yeah, they made it really approachable. So we get to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And Emily is being insufferable. She's being oh my God. awful. Absolutely just tearing this nurse apart, Jane Lynch. Incredible. The nurse is being so patient where Emily is just like screaming at her, uh, trying to get information and like refusing to fill out any forms. But she's she's just like, where's my husband? Who is the doctor? Who is working on him? What's going on right now? Like, you need to tell me everything that is happening. And the nurse is just like, I can't really tell you anything. He's being looked at. He's being taken care of. And then this other doctor shows up, a doctor friend of theirs. And this was infuriating because it was like, Oh, Joshua, thank God. Like, tell me everything. These people are being the worst. And then he's basically just like, I'll take care of it. Don't you worry. And it's just that like leg up in society that certain people have because of who they know and the power and all of that, because suddenly Emily's going to be getting the answers that she wants. Whereas somebody else in the waiting room who doesn't have a Joshua Mm-hmm. It still has to wait and be patient and wait for the news from the nursing staff or the doctor or whoever when the time has come. Rather than, I'm rich, I have powerful friends, I'm getting preferential treatment because this man and I are friends. Is he their personal doctor, I suppose? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm assuming Which, he works at the hospital because he's obviously able to just like waltz in and, and do whatever. Either. Yeah, yeah. So then Emily's being awful, berating this poor nurse. <laughs> And Rory wants to call Lorelai again. 
And I don't understand this part. Emily is like, no, 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 she must be busy. Like, again, that like narcissistic, woe is me. She's not invested in us. She doesn't care. But then two seconds later, she turns the corner and then calls Lorelai's house. Why won't she let Rory do it? I don't understand this. Do you have? I think it's an- another moment where we see Emily in public in her sort of performance mode versus when she is alone and private, then she actually has a bit more common sense. So I I think because her internal story right now has been, uh, well, as far as Rory is concerned as well, is, well, Lorelai is clearly too busy for us. She doesn't respect me. She doesn't want to know any of this. So I am going to exclude her from this. So that's what she's continuing to perform. And it's only once she's left on her own that like the nurse has gone away, Rory's gone away, She's totally left on her own that it's okay. But the actual mom thing to do and what I really want to do is tell Lorelai about this. I I think it's just her being left to her actual thoughts. Even just for a moment, she comes to her senses and what she actually wants to do is reach out to Lorelai. This is, this is the real, the real her. Um, But obviously Lorelai's on her way. So she gets the answering machine and that just, you know, and that's the kind of thing that makes miscommunication and misunderstandings of just like, Oh, She's not even home. She must be out. She must be out on a date. You know, aha, my my thoughts were confirmed. She's clearly too busy yeah. for us. You know, her instincts. So we get this, this moment where the nurse is trying to get Emily to fill out the insurance forms. And this is another form of avoidance for Emily. So instead of Emily admitting that she just like doesn't know the insurance information, she chooses to like scream at the nurse about everything. So first she, the nurse calls her Ms. Gilmore and she's like, I'm Mrs. Gilmore. What do you think I am? Some kind of Cosmo woman. (laughs) That made me laugh so hard. It's like such a ridiculous thing to say. But then we finally get some of the Lorelei banter from Emily. So we saw This is exactly what I was thinking. This is difficult for you. But if you don't fill out these forms... What? You'll do what? I'd like to hear in your most condescending tone what my punishment will be for not filling out these forms in a timely manner. Are there bamboo shoots involved? Some sort of dark, deep hole in the ground? Rats nibbling at my toes? (laughs) She just goes on and on and on. And the nurse is like, what is this day? Like the difference here being that I think Lorelai can have some respect for like customer service and like customer facing whatever, like, you know, uh, although when Lorelai does appear, like she's about to, she's about to show up and like this Mm -hmm. whole frock is about to turn into something else. Um, I kind of wish Lorelai was a bit more sympathetic to the nurse than she actually is. Like I get it. She's wrapped up and stressed, but I was hoping for at least some kind of a like I don't I don't know like a like a some kind of a visible mom this lady's doing what she can and then mm. like t- like towards the nurse to t- something like thank you for your help but go you know something yeah. but she just kind of like adds an extra bit of like snap to it I don't I don't know how to describe it but I just I wanted her to be a little bit a fair bit more sympathetic to the nurse she really well, she gets does it. rescue the nurse <laughs> she does. To, she like, does. Set the nurse off the hook. And I think that that's her. I didn't get that at all. I I was appreciative of everything that Lorelai did to like come in and def- she did diffuse the situation. Mm-hmm. And did. she like, cause I understand that, you know, I, I see what you're saying. It's like, oh, sorry about my mom. Like that's she's, you know, whatever. But also that's like 
Emily's behavior is not Lorelai's responsibility. And Lorelai... No, I know, but I think it's because I've been in customer service for such a long time, and I have been berated by people. I've been, like, personally attacked for literally nothing that has anything to do with me um, by people. And then, like, I just put myself exactly in the nurse's shoes, and she's just trying to do her job, and she is being abused, essentially. Um, So... I was hoping for a little bit more recognition. I mean, Lorelai wasn't there. Lorelai doesn't actually know how awful her mom was being. But just come on, be a, a, some some acknowledgement of some nicer treatment to to the poor old nurse who's just trying to. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. So I do have the scene from where they're they've just about to find one another, and when right mm-hmm. when Lorelai gets to the hospital, I laughed so hard. This hospital or my mother and my father. Now, I know I don't get along with them, but there has to be some sort of intuition, some sort of blood bond that will somehow lead me to them. That's crazy. My great uncle founded this hospital. And that's Emily. (laughs) Just the, like, hark, a Gilmore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. My, My great uncle founded this hospital. That is... That's what they do. That's what they'll talk okay. about. Is they'll be like, they'll talk about people who are totally irrelevant. Ma'am, I just need you to, to the best of your abilities, fill forms. out these forms. We don't need to have a fight about this. I'm not fighting you. Just do yeah. your best. If you have trouble, you have trouble. Come on. And like, yeah. but again, we've seen, we've seen Emily in a crisis. She is yeah. hostile. She's vile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, Laura lies like, okay. I will fill out these forms if you want to go find a doctor to help us with the situation or like to give us something. And the nurse starts to be like, oh, no, but that's not. And she's like, unless you would like to stay here with my mother and I will go find a doctor. And the nurse is like, heard. Okay, bye. (laughs) She's like, okay, (laughs) I'm out of here. Um, And so Emily is just like, at this point, dumbfounded. She's like, you got rid of her. That was amazing. <laughs> like she just all of her animosity just like melts away and she is truly like awestruck at the situation. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then she looks around and sees that Luke is with Lorelai when they showed up at the hospital. She's like, Were you on a date? And Lauren's like, No, mom, like this is Luke. And <laughs> Emily's just like, I'm not following. Like, why is that relevant? And there's this whole back and forth, but like, yeah, okay, like I could have been on a date, but like, mom, it's Luke. And he's just like, taking the punches taking the little punches as they come so she's trying to explain emily's trying to explain to lorelei like what's been going on she's like everybody just keeps disappearing through those doors and laura's like lorelei's like okay let's go then she's like i didn't know you could do that like lorelei just goes through the doors and emily's like what so it's just like two completely different styles of handling situations where Emily's just used to getting her way and do you know who I am or whatever. And Lorelai is just like, well, let's just go figure it out. Like actual problem solving and not demanding of other people to give you the information that you need. And she was just like, okay, <laughs> cool. All right. <laughs> let's, let's break the rules. Oh, all right. This is a crisis mode. Yeah, we're breaking the rules. Let's go do it. Yep. So off they go, Emily and Lorelai, off they go. And Luke has a seat. Rory comes and he's just like, oh my God, Luke, what are you doing here? And they have a really sweet heart to heart where she's like, I was just getting to know him. Like, I don't want him to die. Like, I, and Luke is being so sweet and gentle and comforting. And I love him so much for that. <laughs> Rory, you can tell that Rory's reaction to crisis is that she wants to be helpful. 
she's somehow able to stay so calm despite being anxious, worried, afraid, confused. She's able to stay calm and find out ways to help, even considering Luke, you know, okay, I'm going to go get some coffee. Luke, you want tea? How how can I put my energy to use right now? Where can I best do this? It's in being useful, helpful, and extend kindness and bringing some positivity into it. And yeah, she it's it's in her exchange with Lorelai that she says, I was just mm. getting to know him, um, Richard. So Rory heads off and Luke and Lorelai were finally left to that, just them two sitting side by side. And Luke is mega supportive. He continues to be the support that, that we want, that we're hoping for, just surprising us. And I love that he says, you were very brave for her, mm-hmm. for Rory. Uh-huh. And Lorelai says, it's my turn. Yeah. Which, ah, the recognition, the recognition that, yeah, Rory was so brave last episode to take take her fury. But now Lorelai is being mom. She's being brave. Mm. She's doing what Interesting. she needs to do. I I'm understood it to be Luke was being brave for Lorelai during her freak out in the car. And then it was Lorelai's turn to be brave for Rory. Like, I wasn't seeing it as it's my ah. turn for Rory from the previous episode. I understood ah, it to be, okay. I had a meltdown in the car. I was scared. You comforted me. And now I have to do that for my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, both. Yeah. Could both be work. either. Could be yeah. both. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, really... for me, that's where I saw the, the resolution of Lorelai and Rory on Lorelai's mm. side anyway, is that, you know, okay, well, I, I, re- I, I know my daughter. I've seen how she's been and now it's now it's my turn to be to be brave and to do the right thing and to comfort her. Here we have Luke trying to still comfort her. This is where they bring a little bit of humor back into a very heavy situation. So we have Luke talking about, you know, like think positive thoughts like rainbows and fluffy clouds and clowns and the, he just stops. He like it's like I I'm out. Lorelai's like thank God. Like stop. <laughs> You've done enough. You've done enough, Luke. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> Emily is being very similar to Rory in here in these scenes where they both need to be useful. So Emily is preparing for Richard's room. She's like, we need to find some down pillows. We need to find like, I was on slippers or blankets or like there was something else that she needed to find for him. So now she's like, okay, things are happening. I can stay active so that I don't have to think. And that's what Mm -hmm. Rory wants to do too. Rory wants to be useful and active because she doesn't want to just stand around waiting and thinking. But Luke and Lorelai are just sitting, chilling having their conversation. And we find out that Luke does not like hospitals. And boy, did I feel seen here. I cannot, I get like queasy and uncomfortable. I do not like hospitals. I can't. I didn't even want to have my child in a hospital. Like when I was pregnant, I was like, I can't go. I can't go. Like I tried to go to the birthing center, but I had some complications and they wouldn't take me. And then I was like, well, I guess I'm going to consider a home birth. Because I do not like hospitals. I do not like them. They make me feel so uncomfortable. So we get the very comedic version of this with Luke being like, oh, people with their tubes and their stuff, like open wounds and like all of these things. Because he's like seeing people being wheeled by. He's like, like, I can't look at this. The normally so like stoic and like comfortable, easygoing Luke is now like, (gasps) (laughs) he is struggling you don't look so good thanks that's not what i meant you know you always look good 
Yeah? Mm -hmm. I meant you always look healthy. Okay. But you don't look so healthy now. Now you look... Unhealthy. Yes. Okay. Oh, what? So I said you look good. We're not in fifth grade. You look good. Big deal. <laughs> Stop staring at me. <laughs> I love that oh, they can yeah. flirt anywhere. Doesn't yeah. matter where they are. They can be totally uncomfortable. They can be in the middle of in middle of the market. They can be in anywhere. And he is teasing her. And they flirt in a very different way than she does with Max, obviously. Because oh, yeah. here she's like uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's like flirting because she actually, I think, likes him, but doesn't realize that she likes him or doesn't necessarily want to like him. And That's doesn't it. yeah. But she does. And so she's like, we're not in the fifth grade, Luke. Like, <laughs> like she's being <laughs> such a dork about it. Whereas with mm -hmm. Max, it's less scary. So she can be suave and she can be sultry and she can be, you know, her seductive, flirtatious self. But with Luke, she just turns into this like child, like this just mm -hmm. teenager. She doesn't know what to do or how to behave. And he just lets her suffer in that. oh yeah oh yeah well and like so with mr medina she has created the her that she wants to be that she wants to present to him she can just you know she can start from whatever starting point she wants and she can build up from there but obviously yeah luke sees her every day he knows mm -hmm. her on her bad hair days on her worst days on her most beautiful ones like everything he know he knows yeah. the ins and outs and the best and the worst of her already yeah that's a, it's a that's an uncomfortable spot to be in and and you don't want somebody who knows all your flaws you don't you don't want to like them like that or you don't want them to like you back and you don't want to be caught flirting with them but girl and yeah it makes sense that she would she mm -hmm. just turns into a child <laughs> yep. and so they are saved here by richard being brought into his room and you could tell that lorelei is just like gutted seeing him on the bed gurney stretcher just seeing him there gurney, being wheeled yeah, yeah. into the room and she doesn't go in she can't go in yet she's like mom you go and then she's like i'm gonna go find rory and then rory comes like immediately and then rory goes in and she's just like yeah i'll be there in a minute and luke immediately is like so who else are you gonna find hmm? Mm -hmm. Hmm? like he does not let that slide he's like i know mm -hmm. what you're doing i know you you don't want to go in there, but like you have to go in there. And she's like, nope, go to find coffee. Bye. I'm uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's too, it's too vulnerable and too scary for her to face head on like that after having seen her dad in that gurney on that bed. Luke says, I, I don't think he means it to be as heavy as it comes, but he says the truth hurts. And again, he's still meaning it to be teasing, but we're, we're facing a lot of truth right now. And a lot of it hurts. It's such a relief to see Richard awake and talking because mm -hmm. at this point, mm -hmm. nobody knows how how bad it is or, or, Fair. or how Good point. severe it might be. So to actually open that scene and not leave us hanging any longer. And he's you know, he's yeah, he's awake. He's talking. He's laughing a little bit. And and Rory is so kind, so kind. You can tell that she really, really wants to keep the connection that she's made with her grandpa so much so that, yeah, she's reading the Financial Times or whatever, like allowed to him yeah. and she is getting so much from this like it's probably not her idea of a fun time but it doesn't matter it's she wants to show her grandpa how much she cares about him she wants to spend the time with him and and be there 
even so much in the little detail of if I hug you, will it hurt before she leaves? And he says, uh, pain is life a part is of life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This like, ah, oh, this grandpa wisdom and like, oh. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Meanwhile, Lorelai is still MIA <laughs> throughout this. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if Richard knows that Lorelai's there at this point because she wasn't at dinner. And mm-hmm. so if nobody mentions that Lorelai was around, then I don't I don't know. But Rory leaves and then we get this this scene and it's it was a really heartbreaking scene because you know Richard is trying to be practical and sensible. He's had a scare and in his mind, he needs to know that his family is taken care of and has the information they need. And he needs to know that Emily knows where the key to the safe is, where the insurance papers are, where the will is. Like he needs her to know. And she's completely ignoring him. She's putting the pillows behind him. She's fluffing, like she's just doing all of this stuff. And she's just like, nope, Richard, we're not having this conversation. You are, she's just like, you are not dying tonight. That's not what's happening in this hospital. I will not allow it. And in fact, I demand to go first. Mm-hmm. And the way that Richard, he doesn't even argue. He sees how terrified she is. He sees that she's just like, will not even fathom the possibility of life without him and that she's just so scared and she's so anxious. And then the way that he just takes her hand and he says, yes, Emily, you may go first. <laughs> like he has, anybody has any control of that, but he just is like, okay, this is what she needs to hear. And this is, I just need to comfort her because she's scared. Like I had the, the, the heart issue we find out a little bit later on it was just is a touch of angina <laughs> but the the tenderness and and affection and compassion that he has for her in that moment realizing like how scared she is and she's trying to just hold it together she's like on the phone like trying not to cry she's like just like i need to just take care of you right now we're not yeah. going to talk about that because this is not what's happening i i think in their future I feel like Emily is showing that she would be an excellent carer for him. I think she probably envisions herself as an excellent carer. Like if he were to be, if he were to become totally immobile or like need 24-7 care or whatever, I think in the things like make sure he's comfortable and like what what can I do to, to, to make sure everything right happens, I think she'd be excellent at that. And she's almost motherly here. We get little, like a little glimpse of Mother Emily and like fluffing the pillows, and you know, can can you sit up? Okay, I'm putting that there. Obviously, she should be responding to what he's saying, and it's definitely going in her ears, and she's not responding. But um, I just that just goes to such brilliant performances by both of them, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the the tenderness and the like, the, the just the genuine affection for each other here, especially how Richard. Richard demonstrates that as well. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it gave me goosebumps. It was just like, it was so sweet. Meanwhile, Rory and Lorelai have met up at some vending machines. It's their turn for an official reconciliation. Rory reiterates that nothing happened. And Lorelai tells her (laughs) that there are two things in the world that she trusts. One of them is that she'll never understand Charo. (laughs) And the other is Rory. She's like, I know that, but you have to understand panic I felt when you didn't come home. And that's the root of it. The root was never you were out with the boy. That wasn't the problem. If she had like fully planned and like let her mom know she wasn't going to be home, like she trusts Rory implicitly. Mm -hmm. If she was like, I'm having a reading night with Dean and we're just going to read, like she would probably be like, that's believable. You're Rory. I get that. (laughs) Yeah. But she's like the panic moment when you didn't come home and Rory's like, I know and it won't happen again. And we're finally at a place 
where they've forgiven one another and they're there mm-hmm. back to back to their their relationship. They've healed in that moment. Mm-hmm. This is, I think, a, a perfect example of of we we feel that resolution because each character hears and gets from the scene what they've been needing all along, what they've been needing to hear and needing to know. So Rory needed to know that her mom still loved her and trust trusted her. She just needed to hear that because, I, well, you know, I feel like you don't trust me and that's why you're arguing with me. She needed to know that she still trusts her. I still believe all these things that I said about you that you overheard, that those are all still true. And Lorelai, she needed to to get that out, but also to express to, to Rory that I, I get that you want to be someone who will not make mistakes. Things will happen. And you need to know that. <laughs> you need to know that I will still be there. I'm ready for things to happen. I, I, you, you will not be perfect at every step of the way. As much as Rory says it'll never happen again. No, something will. It won't something be this. Will. Something will. We end up with such a sense of, of relief and, and resolution. Then I really love that. Rory had the heart to try to lie to Lorelai about the apple tarts because we didn't really touch on it, but there are these apple tarts every Christmas that Lorelai is obsessed with. And Rory tries to tell her that there were no apple tarts at Christmas. Don't worry about it. And she's like, aw, <laughs> he tried to lie to her. That's nice. And she calls her out on it too, but it's just like a cute little line that I really enjoyed. And while this is happening, Emily is with Luke. They're having a little yeah. chat. So Emily has a bit of self-reflection because she's there with, with Richard's necktie. And how she recognizes how, you know, he was trying to loosen his tie at the table and she told him not to. And he was having this like attack of angina or whatever it was. And she's like, I told him not to loosen his tie. Like imagine the guilt that she must feel in that moment. But she is such a control freak and she recognizes that she is always trying to do that. And this was the situation where he really needed to loosen his necktie. <laughs> and she was mm-hmm. just like, don't dear. And notice actually the first thing she does in this scene as she's sitting down next to Luke is she unbuttons the top of her top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's, you know, she's relaxing, she's opening, she's coming out of this like buttoned up, you know, stiff appearance. And the whole way through this scene, they are so open. There's so much honesty, vulnerability. And I love that um, Luke asks, how is he? And uh, she's about she's about to start with just the, the casual go-to answer, mm-hmm. which is, which is, oh, you know, he's, he's okay. He's resting. Blah, blah, blah. But she stops. Oh, you know, he's, I don't know. For her to say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Major. Oh my God, it's such a huge thing. And that she says it to Luke as well. Like oftentimes that is the person, the person who's like barely involved. That's the person who you're most open with. And you can be the most honest with as well as tell, tell your feelings and, and show your true self to, yeah, the outsider person. Yeah. And and she's sitting there feeling silly, you know, holding his necktie and then she can't seem to, to let it go. And she's had it ever since they took it off in the ambulance. And Luke proceeds to open up to her about how he kept his dad's whole hardware store. He turned it into a diner, but he kept all of his stuff on the walls. He kept the office the same. And so he's like, I get it. I see you. Like, you're you're Emily and you're a whole other breed of person than, than me. But I see, like, it's important. You're not being silly. Like, mm-hmm. And they have this really nice, frank and open conversation, which guaranteed in other circumstances would have never, ever happened because <laughs> they're just two completely different people. I have a clip here of where this conversation leads. What exactly is going on between the two of you? Nothing. Really. We're friends, that's it. You're idiots, the both <laughs> of you. 
I like that up to that point, they have been so honest and so open. So it's like, all right, okay, if we're being if we're being honest with each other and we're telling the truth, so tell me about you and my daughter. Yep. And it's like, mm, not that. No, no, no. Well, as far as he knows, yeah, we're friends. Okay. But you could tell that he <laughs> wants to say something more. He's like, we're friends. That's it. Yeah. But you can see he's got something else under the surface and he wants to say like something. But it's true. He's just telling the facts. That's not, I don't think, what he wants from the situation at all. But he can't very well be, tell Emily, of all people, that he's in love with Lorelai without yeah, even exactly. <laughs> telling yeah. Lorelai and making a move and seeing how that goes. But I love that Emily just goes for the jugular. You're idiots. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing, I feel like I'm I'm picking up now um, that how much Emily is a planner. Mm. Um, and if she has any control of 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 the world then things will go her way and and her bringing up this with her and uh with with Lorelai and Luke and but like laying the foundations of like I'll leave you with that thought in your head I'll leave you with this kind of conversation and this topic eventually Lorelai and Rory join them and she takes Rory off and like oh let's go get Ross oh yeah that was on purpose like let's leave them alone together with that conversation I just had with that conversation exactly yeah Mm -hmm. and like Gosh, she's a little. Oh, she just she just she gets her fingers into everything. Manipulative. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A little manipulator. I like how Luke doesn't try to hide away from the fact that they just kind of had that conversation because Lorelai's like, "What's going on here?" And he's like, "Well, your mom just called me an idiot." Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's honest. But then you know, you'd think that Lorelai would be like, "Well, why?" And then he would say, "Because we're not dating or whatever," you know. But I'm. The conversation doesn't go that way because Luke, I actually really like this. Luke doesn't do the like jumping on the vulnerable, possibly grieving. Like we don't know what's going on yet, but he doesn't, he doesn't take this as the chance like to capitalize on the closeness of the situation to express his feelings or whatever. He's just there to be a comfort because instead of continuing with the the thread that Emily started, he encourages Lorelai to finally go inside and see Richard. So Lorelai goes into the room and she sees him there and she's like gutted. She's having such a hard time and he wakes up and they just have this moment looking at one another and they both have so much emotion all over their faces. Lorelai wants to say something. She's just about to. She's like on the brink of tears and she's just about to open her mouth to say something. And then Emily and Rory walk in and mm-hmm. break the mm-hmm. moment. The and they build just up kind of this scene is so good. The, the I, I like that when she gets into the room, it, it's not the same as when we've when we've entered the scenes and entered the room before, where like he's talking and they're reading the newspaper and there's something. We're not sure is he in pain, is he sleeping? We don't know what is what is he feeling because he just kind of has this unreadable expression on his face that looks like a kind of uncomfortable, slightly distressed. And she takes a good long look at him, and it's mm-hmm. like she sees. Maybe for the first time, the good man that she described, but like with everything else pulled away, she just sees the 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 man himself there, her dad. At that point in time, it's like, well, what do you say first? What <laughs> are you just yeah. gonna say? You can't like you could just say, "Hey, dad," but like you can tell that there's so much that they want to say. What do you start with? Like, does she just come say, "I love you, dad. I'm so glad you're okay," but like. All of these sentences want to jump to be the first thing. And yeah, you're right. She just, she gets cut off straight. She opens her mouth to say something, but not, not before they've had that like unspoken 
connection. They say something with their eyes. They have this look and there's so much in there, so many things. But then, yeah, everyone comes in and she finally cries. Yeah, because the doctor comes in. He lets everybody know that it was angina. It wasn't, you know, a heart attack or anything like that. He's going to be fine. He needs to make some changes to his lifestyle. And so with that news, Lorelai excuses herself and then just buries herself into Luke, like sobbing. The relief and the emotion and everything, like now that it's okay, she can let it all out. Luke is standing there. He's comforting her and he's holding a cup of coffee that he snagged from the nurse's station. (laughs) Finally, because there's this whole thing about not being able to find coffee, the coffee machine's broken. And he says to her, well, you're not the only one who can flirt. (laughs) When really he Uh, just like went into the nurse's station and like took a cup of coffee. Yeah, exactly. The door was open. (laughs) Yeah. I like that um, while they are, while she is like buried in him and crying, he mentions the classic movie thing of like, typically I'd have a handkerchief. I'd give you my handkerchief in this moment. It's such a Lorelai fantasy thing. You know, she loves those classic movies. You know that she loves them so much. And that absolutely would be the romantic hero thing to do. And I love that Luke knows that, um, but then points out like, I kind of find that a bit disgusting. (laughs) And I still like that he he's seeing it and expressing it in the like boy girl moment. Like yeah. because he still puts himself as the like, I'm the man and you're the woman and you're here crying on me. He's not shying away from implying that there is still a certain romance to the situation. So I really like that he's not just being like, oh, gotta be stoic and robotic and like not say things like that. And so I really like that. From there, things finally we have answers. We know what's going on. So Lorelai says, Luke, please drive Rory home. Rory, go talk my shit to Dean. <laughs> go home. Talk for an hour about who's going to hang up first. And off they go. And Lorelai wants to stay and be helpful. So she hasn't really had a reconciliation with her mom yet. And they have it without without really saying anything. Like they don't address it. They just kind of bury it and move along. Because Lorelai's like, well, I'm staying. And Emily's surprised. She's like, what do you mean you're staying? She's like, well, if somebody needs something, I'm going to be here. Not you. You won't need anything because, you know, Emily, heaven forbid, would need something, and especially not from Lorelai. But she's like, if somebody needs something, I'm going to be the one to do it. I'm going to be the one to get it. I'm staying. And then that that is what Emily needs to know is that Lorelai is invested in the family and is committed to being there for them. Exactly. Yeah, because this whole episode through, she's been like, oh, well. Lorelai's always, too, of course, she's too busy for us, and she does. She's, of course, she won't come to the hospital. Blah blah blah. All these assumptions that are just Which totally are unfounded. Ridiculous. Yeah. And now she's seeing exactly who Lorelai is, and that the thing is, she is going to stick around. She is going to be here. Like, of course, I'm going to be here, Mom. What do you? And I ridiculous. just love that they they go to the cafeteria, like yeah. hospital cafeterias, as places to like. They're such awkward and uncomfortable settings. But I, I feel like anyone who has had to spend much time at a hospital for any reason, that cafeteria can be a place of just like, just for like 10 minutes, set aside the worries that we're having. We can just sit and eat, <laughs> nourish ourselves. Thus ends the hospital scenes. And we finish the episode with Lorelai going to Luke's, must be a couple days later. And she brings him a gift of a new hat. <laughs> Mm-hmm. so she wants to say thank you it's a christmas gift it's a thank you gift it's like all of the above he's closing up for the night there's nobody else in the diner and it's just the two of them and she gives him this hat she starts with saying if something ever happens to that one 
but he doesn't wait for that. He immediately takes it off. He's like, new hat from Lorelai, put it on. This is yes. my hat now. And so she goes to put it on his head and she puts it forward facing. And she's like, oh, oh God, no, that is <laughs> weird. That is not right at all. And the intimacy of the scene where she's the one putting the hat on him. <gasps> It's like such mm -hmm. a small, seemingly small gesture, but it's so charged because we know that they're so into each other. But again, he doesn't make a move. He doesn't do anything. And he just lets her do it. She puts the hat on him. It looks great. And then she wants to see the rehearsal for like the pageant and all of that. So she's asking him to turn off the lights. And he's like getting after for it. He's like, it's the same thing every year. It's the same people. Like, why do we need to watch this while also turning the lights off? Like he Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he needs to get his two cents in. He needs to be Luke and curmudgeonly about it, mm -hmm. but he wants to give in to Lorelai's whims and her fantasies and all of that. You can tell how much he just enjoys every step of it, every bit. Like he doesn't, he doesn't have to press for more or make a move or do anything. He is enjoying every moment that he gets to be beside her, across from her, talking to her, teasing her having a heart to heart with her every single moment. You can tell how much he values that. And like, it doesn't matter. We don't have to be making out like fools right now. We can be, I, ju I just- But I like want them, them to be. To <laughs> I know, I know. Well, that's I what fan fiction is for. <laughs> Slow burn. Season one. <laughs> season one fanfic. Okay. Slow burn, slow burn. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I totally know what you mean, though. Yeah. So they have this like cozy moment with the <laughs> lights off, just the two of them in the diner watching the rehearsal for the pageant, and no kissing happens. The end. The end. <laughs> the beautiful, end. beautiful scene. This honestly, like, uh, kudos to them for delving into that kind of that kind of that sort of part of, of relationships and 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 roles family roles and things especially for this early in a series like we're mm -hmm. just about not not even halfway through the first season of this show and already we're we're going there we're going we're going to those depths this hit a lot of hit a lot of really soft and tender spots for me personally but i really appreciate how they how they did handle it and you can tell that they're the people who are writing these scripts the actors everybody you can feel the amount of respect they all have for these very realistic real life moments that yes they have a show that is very light-hearted most of the time and silly and quirky and fantastical as well and like idealistic but when they need to do the reality real world heavy stuff they they really respect that and lots of heavy stuff we covered today hey lots of stuff <laughs> and so that's us for the week Christmas stuff is going away again. Uh <laughs> <laughs> That's us. Yep. I've been Jenny. She's been Lisa. We've been the Belladonna Watch Club. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Stick around. Catch us next week on YouTube and wherever you stream your podcasts. And be sure to like and subscribe if you want more. All right. <laughs> so we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.